0: Episode 2 of the new season. Uh, thanks for coming back, unless you're listening for the first time. In that case, uh, thanks for listening for the first time. Uh, I'm really excited about this new season. Last season was a lot more personal. Definitely focused more on um, what I was doing as a, as a runner in the fall season with my team, the Run Violent Crew. And it was, I was really happy with uh, some of the content I got to put out. But um, this season is going to be more about telling other people's stories. And just to offer some context on the, the title and uh, kind of what the show is about, Marathoning for Millennials isn't a instruction manual. It's a play on the title of the book, Marathoning for Mortals, but I'm not trying to teach people how to run a marathon. Uh, I'm in no way qualified to do that. I, I'm not a personal trainer. I'm not a coach. Uh, I'm just a runner. Um, but more importantly, uh, I identify as just your average millennial. And that's the only perspective I really have to offer, but I feel like it's a good perspective and there's some ways to explore that. This show is not just for millennials and it's not just for marathoners, but I'm going to be talking about topics that center around things I'm interested in within the running world. So, you know, there's not a lot of millennials in the running community, Uh, within the running community, specifically regionally, but also kind of nationally. uh, Millennials make up a pretty small part of that as far as participants in running events, but it doesn't mean we're not there. And actually, a lot of what is shaping the culture right now is because of millennials. The, the the small pack that is involved are really involved and really making huge waves. So my goal of this show is to tell some of those stories and offer more of that perspective, not just for people within my own age bracket of that uh, late 20s and 30s age bracket, but um, anybody else that just has an interest in the culture, has a love for the culture, has a love for the sport, and the way that it um, <clears throat> it transcends beyond just recreational um, movement, but it, it takes in art and music and film in a lot of ways and brings communities together to strengthen and empower them. That is something I believe heavily in, and it's something that I've kind of built a lot of my life around in the last few years. So who's the show for? Um, everyone, but definitely for millennials, uh, my hope is that this will be a guide for some people coming into the sport at a time when there's a lot of shit going on. Uh, you know, as I record this episode, we're living through the Corona pandemic. That is why, uh, I'm putting out so many episodes in this new season right now is, uh, what I do is I am a race director. I'm a race promoter. I put on running events and I lead a running community here in my hometown in South Jersey. And I'm kind of out of work right now. So I want to take this opportunity to give people something to listen to and um, hopefully offer some background into what it is that got me into the sport and why I think so many other people, regardless of, of generation, um, can really benefit from just adding something like this. It doesn't even always have to be running, but just adding a passion that brings people together into their life. And running has done that for me in a lot of ways, and I see it, it done for a lot of other people too. It's a strange idea to um, use a hobby as uh, something that identifies you. And uh, there's a lot of people that do that, you know, if you uh, were to, say, look at someone's Facebook profile, Instagram profile, whatever, Twitter profile, something that is just a really short glimpse into who they are, you know, there's a, there's a type of person that would put runner in there. They would make sure that fits in there, you know, whether they're uh, a baker or a, a chef, uh, an accountant, a mom, a grandfather, whatever. Uh, runner is one of the things that also makes sure it gets in there. And that that means something. That means that they identify heavily with that action, with that recreation. And um, I think that's really powerful. It says a lot about what the sport does for people. And so the people that I interview, uh, like guys like Scott, who I have on the show today, are people that do just that. I read an article that Scott wrote about five years ago about his experience at a, at a nude 5k in the Pocono Mountains and I thought it was really interesting it was published online for like the Wind magazine for free they're doing an always a runner campaign right now during the quarantine they're offering some of their back catalog for free and you can check out Scott's story it's called the winning streak but um I wanted to bring Scott on the show just because it sounded interesting and it just so happens that he was from South Jersey So I sent him an email and he replied right away and we got to talking. And we touch on a lot of topics. Scott's also a writer and I, I admire people who can write about running because it's something that's not easy to translate into words sometimes. You can feel it so very strongly in yourself, but like you can't get the words out. I struggle with that a lot. And so when there's people that can write about running and do it well and really gets it right, that's a, that's a great thing. And Scott's one of those guys, so I really enjoy his writing, and we dive into that a little bit and and his motivations behind being a writer and a runner. After the segment with Scott is over, I'm going to give you guys the usual spiel about uh, subscribing, liking, reviewing, following, all that other uh, shit that other podcasters do. But um, more importantly, uh, I want to just say that my goal of this show is to put out as much content as possible right now to both keep myself busy but also just to offer something for other people to listen to and to keep them connected to the running world. Right now, you know, we can't even run in groups. You know, they're encouraging us not to. A lot of people are kind of stuck home and not sure what to do with themselves. And for me as a runner, I tend to get motivated when I hear about other people, when I watch movies about uh running, documentaries or read stories, uh look at photos. Um, Those are the types of things that get me motivated. And if you have a story that you think would be interesting or you know someone that would be a really good talk for the show, that more than anything, I would love to hear from you guys. You can contact me, uh, Second Capital Running. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook by that name, secondcapitalrunning.com. You can contact me there. Um, But yeah, I want to make sure I'm not just some jackass with a uh, microphone talking about whatever I feel like talking about. I need to know that this makes sense for other people for this to be successful, right? But anyway, yeah, we're going to jump into the segment. It's it's a short talk, but a good talk. And uh, there's some interesting substance in there. So thank you. You're listening to Marathoning for Millennials, a podcast introducing distance running and the culture that surrounds it to America's favorite generation. Okay, and I'm recording. So Scott, thanks for uh, joining me. Um, you, so you were a few of the kind of cold calls I made, like I've, I've been reaching out to people I know, or like within a network, you were one of the few people um, that I just didn't know, but I found your story really interesting. So I reached out and you were hey. the only one to respond. So thank you for that. Uh, yeah, no worries. I appreciate it. But I, I'm glad because uh, the, more, the more I look, it really just started, I read your story and like I immediately sent you the email. Because I was just like, I, this seems like a great thing to, to tell. Um, and that's the whole point of the show. The show is about, um, kind of finding a way to relate to the average person why running is so sensational, people, why people get hooked on it, and how a person, um, can end up like using it as an identifying factor. You clearly use running as part of your identity, you know, it's something yeah. you know, it's something you, would, it's something you put in your bio, and not a lot of people do that, not a lot of people can relate. So, my goals with that show to show where people kind of get that from and where that that journey comes from yeah i
1: appreciate the request Uh, i listened to a lot of running pods over the years but i've never been asked to be on one so this is fun
0: good well i'm hey happy to have you um so a couple stats so um according to website 14 time marathoners that still hold okay uh personal record of 301 uh you ran boston twice 15 17 german teacher um out of Haddonfield, New Jersey, so relatively close by, you understand the the South Jersey running scene, yep. uh, but you're, you're lucky where you get to be kind of in the heart of, of the South Jersey scene. Haddonfield is, is where it all is, man. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, I mean,
1: that's the Haddonfield Running Company with Dave Welsh, and uh, it's kind of the epicenter of, of everything, so the Haddonfield Adrenaline 5K, which unfortunately was postponed with everything else, um, it's one of the best 5Ks in South Jersey, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's a lot of really good stuff going on here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've always been real jealous of, uh, of that. We don't really have, um, I I find that like most running communities center around usually a running store. That's like the big thing that, that feeds it. And we are not lucky enough to have that down here. So I get to travel a lot to Haddonfield. I don't, I don't ever buy shoes online or anything. So I get to go up there a lot and, uh, it's just awesome. It's like, there's just that feeling whenever you go somewhere and you see people running around, you just, there's that, you know, there's that connection. So that's, that's gotta be cool to kind of be immersed in that all the time.
1: And I, I definitely love, um, and I have nothing of my own to plug, but I will definitely plug uh, the Haddonville Running Company and Dave Welsh. Uh, he's an incredible guy. He he does so much for South Jersey running, um, and it's they're they're closed now, and it's, it's heartbreaking, um, what what that's going to do for them. So anything anyone can do to support them, that would be awesome.
0: Absolutely, yeah. The small businesses are taking this real hard. You know, you look at places like Walmart and Target, and they're doing great because they yep. can afford to stay open through all this. Yeah. But if if they weren't around the small businesses would have no choice but to stay open it's yeah it's that frustrating uh double edged sword there um well the title of the article is winning streak and it's your story of um of running a, a nude race and was this this was 2015 you did this yeah yeah in Pennsylvania do you know if that race is still happening
1: it's a good question uh i never actually went back to defend my title uh i would um and it's like an hour and a half drive so it's Really, just trying to check something off my bucket list. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. Could still be going
0: if it was. Maybe I'll check it out again someday. Well, was there was so when you found out about this, was it like an immediate like yes, I'm going to do this? Was there hesitation? (laughs) Was there like a period of time where you were just kind of like thinking about it, or did it? I I think I just.
1: It was always on my bucket list. I'd heard of other people doing naked five k raises, and as I said in the article, I'm not very shy. I'm not very modest when it comes to body issues or any of that uh so it was always on my bucket list and i saw flyer at the hadnfield running company and i figured hey let's do it it's an hour and a half drive so i just drove out there on a weekend i think it was a saturday and yeah and, and did the race
0: i'm guessing <laughs> this i wasn't was...
1: expecting to win that was just kind of an added bonus
0: well that's an awesome brag to have i would imagine you know that's that's yeah. a that's a fun party story right there you know hey i to ever tell you guys what the time i want a, a naked a naked race
1: Oh, yeah, it's definitely a good conversation starter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what time of year was that? I'm guessing warm weather, right?
1: It was in August.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: It was at a nudist resort in Pennsylvania in the Poconos. I think it was called Sunny Sunny something, I forget. Um, yeah, so they, they pretty much operate in the warmer weather. I'm not sure what the nudists do in the winter, if they continue to live a nudist lifestyle just indoors. I don't yeah, know. really
0: yeah I wonder uh, yeah, I guess they just they just crank up the heat at home and walk yeah. around naked or yeah. may, maybe they're nomadic, maybe they move around. I'm sure there's probably different <laughs> there's different sects of nudism I imagine where people yeah. have different philosophies on how to go through it.
1: A lot of them did did have RVs, so I imagine yeah they would okay, so they'd, how they'd how probably just go that.
0: resort to resort just uh well, that's that's, yeah, that's got to be yeah. cool, you know that's like uh um like the Grateful Dead type falling where people just, just <laughs> travel around. Yeah, it's one way to do life. What did you, what expectations did you have going into this? I I mean, I I guess you, you knew like it was definitely going to be a lot of, um, well, naked people. That's, (laughs) that's, that's a big thing to get used to to be okay with. But um, going in, what did you think this was going to be like for you?
1: Honestly, I, 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 I know I said I wasn't expecting to win, but I thought maybe I might stand a chance of doing well because I thought, well, how many people are both serious runners and okay with going nude in public um but then i got there and there were so many guys that were just really intense it was like any race that i've been to where people are checking their garments they're stretching they're doing dynamic warm-ups uh, they're talking about race strategies people that have done it before they're, they're talking about the course where the turns are and what to look out for and i thought oh my gosh i'm you know, there's no way I'm going to win this. So I was definitely very surprised to, to win it in the end. But yeah, it was, it was just like any other race. It was very serious. Um, a lot of really intense guys going for the win, despite the fact that we were all naked.
0: Right. That I wouldn't expect that either. Like you said, you know, most there's, that's a very niche group of people that are one, decent runners and two decent runners that are okay with running (laughs) naked and being around people. Um, yeah. Well, is there any like, um, aspect of, or challenge of like running naked that you didn't think about, but it occurred to you like as it <laughs> was happening?
1: Everybody asked if it hurt, <laughs> and I said, um, more than a 5K, probably, yeah, probably would have hurt. Um, but a 5K, it was doable. But um, so there are a lot of women in the race as well, and uh, you know, depending on their size, uh, some of them were wearing sports bras up top, but nothing on the bottom. So yeah, I mean, the varying states of undress, uh, some people were wearing underwear, some people were fully nude, it just depends on people's comfort level and uh, what types of bodies they had.
0: So, I mean, about how many people were running this race?
1: I think there were 100 and maybe 150 people did it.
0: That's a surprising number for a nude race, good, I would say. A chunk of people. So in the start Corral, I mean, typically in a, a race of that size, there is a little bit of um, crowding, a little bit of packing in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is, that,
1: yeah.
0: Is, is that was that still par for the course of that race?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, we we, we were all packed in there.
0: Uh, uh, I don't a little think,
1: awkward, but uh, yeah. as soon as the as soon as the gun went off, it was just I just kind of fell into my uh you know, my muscle memory of just race mode and and just charging out of the gate.
0: All right. Yeah, I I mean, I'm a relatively I would say I'm pretty comfortable uh, with my body and like, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me, but I think even I, um, <laughs> would be a little, uh, anxious about that being in the, in the crowd. And, uh, you know, is there any nerve, I mean, from the perspective of a male nervousness about your, your eyes, you know, where they were, where did you, where <laughs> did you know where to put your eyes? Because there wasn't probably many comfortable options.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of butts in front of me. <laughs> um, very, very pasty white butts, uh, and the eye just kind of gets drawn to that as you're racing because you need something to follow. So, um, but you know, before long, I was in the lead, so I didn't have to look at their butts anymore. So that was good.
0: When did you know that uh, you were going to win? About how far into the race?
1: I think it might have been like halfway through or three, three quarters of the way through, where I took the lead, and and I never looked back.
0: Are you usually competitive in, in running?
1: I used to be really competitive like that wasn't the first 5k I've ever won um, I'm not gonna win anything big I'm not gonna win the Haddonfield adrenaline 5k uh, but some a couple smaller neighborhood races I've won before um, and you know more than, like any runner I'm competitive with myself so right. I'm not always out there to win my age group or the whole race uh, I'm just trying to run the best time I can right um, I'm at that age I'm in my late 30s where I might have to say goodbye to PRs uh, maybe start setting like decade PRs, um, lifetime PRs. I don't know if I'm ever gonna beat my five k time, uh, which is eighteen. I think eighteen oh one. Um, but uh, yeah. So <laughs> long story short, yeah, I'm pretty competitive.
0: Cool. Yeah, I. Um, well, you know, like you mentioned, it's it's a different kind of competition for runners. Something that a lot of people always understand is you know there's there's the competition with yourself, and then you get the you get the benefit. Where not many other sports have that, where you break it up into ages. And it's like okay, well at least I'm I'm yeah. I'm you know hey I was number one in the the males twenty to twenty nine, and that's yeah, yeah. and that's a great feeling, you know. And you know, no one's ever gonna be like yeah, but you were eighteenth overall because <laughs> runners understand that, that that matters just as much as 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 an overall yeah. win. So it,
1: I, it's funny, like when I used to do, I haven't done a marathon in a couple of years, but my students would ask me what place did you come in. I said I don't know. <laughs> Nobody's keeping track of place you know it's it's all about the time and it's all about your time um, in relation to other times that you've run so
0: yeah i get that yeah. question a lot about the, yeah. the the place and it's it's it, again it's a, for someone that doesn't understand or isn't part of the immersed in it at all it's uh it's a really hard thing to explain and um but um that actually is a good segue into something i i had noted um you have a you have a blog from what i could see
1: yeah, unfortunately, the blog is is defunct now. Mm-hmm. Um, but for I would say like five years, yeah, I, it was a very big hobby of mine. I, I kept up with it all the time, and I just really enjoyed putting out blog posts and uh, connecting with other runners. Um, but yeah, I haven't I haven't really updated in a couple of years.
0: Mm. You, you had a lot of content for me for five years. I mean, you had you had quite a lot of content. You did a lot of writing. Um, I think that like people who can write about running and, uh, you know, to specify people that can write about running and do it well, that's, uh, I, I find those people kind of lucky in a way, because to me, running is a really hard thing to explain to other people. You know, it's uh, the, why I like it, why it's, it's a, such a, almost kind of an obsession of mine. It's, it's hard to relay into words because it's so on different levels. It's almost kind of romantic in a way. Like there's, it's, it's a passion. So it carries some romance to it. And so things like that are difficult to put into words, but runners who are writers and write about it, um, I mean, you are able to do that. You're able to put it into a way that people can understand for the most part when they read it. And I, I, for me, when I read about running as a runner, it just gets me more excited, of course, but like it, yeah. it creates that connection. It puts, it's other people putting my feelings into words. That's, that's really interesting. So um, I'm, I'm assuming the writing probably came before the running, like you were already kind of a writer in, in some level. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, I've loved writing my whole life, and honestly, that's why I liked doing the running blog. Because, yeah, you're right; it is it is a challenge writing about running. Like, it's a very simple sport. Um, so, to be a writer and to 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 try to portray this sport in an interesting and fresh way, um, I found it really challenging, and I love that challenge. Um, I miss it. I miss the blog. Um, maybe someday I'll, I'll dust it off and and start posting again, but just kind of fell by the wayside and I haven't really raced I'm still running every day but I haven't really raced in a while Um, so two things that I'm looking to get back more into the racing and the writing
0: not as many people have that strength I think writing is definitely harder I it's a skill set that's learned but I also think it's a skill set that some people just kind of have naturally like running you know there's a lot of guys who are just kind of naturally talented and then can work from there and there's other people that have to develop the skill yeah. And um and and move on from there. So in your in your journey, as a writer, did you find that you, you the way you wrote about running progressed in the same way that your the quality of your running like as you became a better runner, do you, was it easier was it harder was it more fun to write about running as you grew stronger in your in your running?
1: It's a it's a good question. Um, I think it got harder only because at the beginning everything was so new. I'd never um never written about running before, and I feel like there were so many topics to cover. Um, not just the race reports, but just I don't know so many different aspects. And then as I kept writing, I feel like I was I felt like I was running out of topics. And I thought, well, I've already covered that. I've already talked about that. And yeah, you know, there's only so many ways I can describe a race <laughs> uh, in a blog post. So I think it it did get more challenging, and that probably played a role in why I stopped. Um, um, but yeah, there are other, other projects that I'm working on in, in writing. Um, I'm writing a, um, um, a book for young people, young adult. There you go. Why? Okay. <laughs> um, so aimed at like middle school level. Uh, and that's something I've been working on for years. It's going very slowly, but uh, my dream is to have that book published in the next couple of years.
0: That's awesome. That's great. Well, I'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, that's a would it be um, fiction or oh, yeah. yeah yeah it would be fiction okay that's I great. mean I
1: feel like just from doing the blog posts and doing the the article um, I've only so the the like the wind article is only the second thing I've ever had published uh, another one was a personal narrative in the Philadelphia Inquirer so I feel like I have my one of my strengths is personal narratives just writing creatively about my own life um, but yeah I would like to. Uh, try other genres so that's what this book is about just trying to flex my um, fiction muscles you could say
0: awesome that's really cool um I, I feel like i noticed in your writing um there was definitely and i think this is a natural thing for a lot of runners you're just able to put it into words and write about it is there's a there seem to get a little bit of philosophical air yes. to it you know yes. as, as you write you know uh you do have a lot of race reports and then uh some of your breakdowns a lot of your writing about boston definitely Seemed like there was, you know, you definitely feel strongly about that as a lot of people should, and it seemed like in there was some of your strongest writing. Uh, there was one quote I pulled out, um, and I'm just going to paraphrase it a little bit, but it, it, it kind of something about that clicked with me. It says, uh, "I used to not understand the kind of person who returns year after year to Disney World, but I get it now. Boston is a magical thing to runners in the same way that Disney is to others. One feels a part of something larger." And that sense of belonging is a powerful emotion. Do you yeah. remember writing that? Yeah,
1: I do. I remember that entry um, where it, it just—I was just reflecting on Boston, and I had this whole series of posts about Boston because it was such a magical weekend. I just wanted to remember every single detail about that weekend, and I'm so glad I have those posts that I can look back on and just and just remember what magic that weekend was. And it just somehow, like, I had this epiphany where I just thought because I, I, I don't really understand Disney people, and I, I still don't understand Disney people, but I, I drew that connection, that Disney is and in, in, in Boston, they're incredibly expensive. It's the same thing every year, um, but you do. You feel a part of something bigger, and you know exactly what you're gonna get when you go. You know exactly what you're paying for, and people are willing to pay money for that type of experience. Um, and, you know, if Disney is your thing, um, I don't understand it. But, hey, if it's your thing, awesome. Um, if your thing is running 800 miles throughout the winter so you can do a marathon in Boston in the spring, then more power to you. You know, I, I try not to judge people and just let people do their thing. Um, but, yeah, that uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if that holds up the comparison t- uh, between Disney and Boston. But in my mind, it, it made sense.
0: Well, the reason why I pulled that quote is it did it, it made a lot of sense to me. It was um it was like super relatable in that I I comment a lot on the, those people that go to Disney year after year, twice a year. To me, it is just the strangest thing. Um, the the cult like kind of following that Disney has, and the way that yep. you know they're, they're Disney people, just like if, oh yeah, you know that guy's a runner. Well, those people are Disney people. Like it's such a big part of who they are that you just know that person saves up a lot of money throughout the yeah. year and probably who knows what they cut out to, to save up that much money but to make take these trips to the same place over and over um but then when you put it that way and you compare it to boston and i've never run boston it's something eventually i'd like to do of course um but the it's the the loyalty, you know, so many runners return to races year after year. And, uh, you know, I've done the same lots of there's a couple marathons. I've repeated some because I loved it so much. And I'm a kind of guy that, that loves forward motion, that loves change. But in running, there's always just, you know, you, you always run the local 5K every year and there's there's uh, that attachment to it. So that never connected with me in, until then. And it, it started to make sense a little bit, I guess. So that was a nice eye opening quote for me that had a really relatable touch to it you know there is um there is a a cult-like following when it comes to running once you kind of use that as an identifying factor
1: yeah i'm sure there's psychological marketing studies where they study the human psyche and uh, and how people make connections to brands and and how brands can uh you know facilitate that connection but yeah like you know it is very much a cult very much a connection
0: yeah and it's uh you know like any other cult-like thing you don't really get it until you're into it but um you know using your words and using stories like this and the, and you mentioned experiences and f- from the air that I get out of your writing it seems like you're definitely um an experience experienced conscious person a person who just is I don't know chasing experiences a lot even in oh, the yeah. even in the like the wind article like it starts out talking about how you've run like every you know, popular distance there is, and you've seen all kinds of races from the local 5K to the big city, the big city marathon. And, you know, you, you found this race in a way at a time where you were looking to find, well, what else can I do? Do you, um, do you still kind of live by that philosophy of, of, uh, chasing experiences and, and oh, finding richness yeah. in that?
1: Absolutely. I, I think I, I try to live my life. Um, you know, the idea that I'm I'm going to get old, um, and I want to retire on the richness of my memories um, rather than literal riches. Um, so I, I like being able to have those experiences to look back on and um, especially if I have blog entries or diary entries um, or pictures, I love being able to look back on that stuff. So yeah, I'm always looking for experiences to en- enrich my soul, enrich my my life. Um, and now that I have my son is five years old just constantly looking for experiences to give him um, connections that we can have. In fact, I've always said, uh, I would love to run Boston with him someday. Uh, that's a huge if it depends on his own interest in running his own interest in marathoning his own ability level. I don't know (laughs) how fast he would be. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just always looking for, um, and it's, it's, it's funny how fatherhood changes you. Um, it, it's not so much looking for experiences for myself anymore. I'm just constantly looking for things that would my son enjoy this. Would we enjoy doing this together, and um, just building memories with him?
0: That's a really cool goal to have to to run Boston with him. Um, I think that's a that's uh, that's definitely doable. But it, it, like you said, it really depends on his interest. He's got to be he's got to be really in the running if he's ever going to run Boston. Because... Yeah.
1: and I, I don't want to be that parent that forces him to do anything. Like, I'm a high school German teacher, and a lot of kids ask me, a lot of my students ask me, are you going to make your son take German? I said, I'm not going to make him do anything. He's his own person. I will encourage him to take German, uh, because it's not just because I'm a German teacher, but it's part of his family heritage. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's it's his choice. It's his life.
0: I imagine you're going to encourage him to kind of live that same uh, lifestyle of of chasing experiences and valuing them higher than than personal wealth. I think that's something um, society is is shifting a little bit away from the the need to amass wealth and more about the need yep. to amass experiences and stories. Uh, I I identify with that heavily. Uh, I love having stories. I'm the, I'm the guy that likes to have the the party stories, kind of like like you have like like winning a naked five k. That's you know yep. I I take a lot of pride in being someone that has really good stories and experiences. Um and I think that's why I really enjoy hearing other people tell their stories. I think it's to me it's it's a lot more important and you're you're a more valuable person in that way if if you have something to offer in the in the terms of experience. Um do you find that through running you're able to chase that kind of wanderlust um lifestyle? Do you think that running fulfills that at all?
1: Mm. That's a good question, um, I mean, I'm trying to think so my running life has has shifted a little bit in the last few years. I think in the past, I would have said yes because in the past, I was looking to do more races, do more interesting races um, and especially travel more and run more <laughs> and travel to races in other places um, and do just interesting, especially running. I love trails. So traveling to national parks uh, or just anywhere where there's woods or nature and, and doing popular runs there. Um, but now, running, running now is more about um, still about enjoying nature, getting out and just uh, but just almost like daily meditation, just uh, being able to be lost inside my head, um, especially as a teacher and a father. My time is, is so limited. Um, sure, yeah. and, and, and especially in, in it, daily life with just social media and constantly being on Twitter and, and, and Facebook and all of that, it's just, I'm, I never run with my phone, so I don't have music or podcasts or anything. So it's just me in my head and, and that's a nice feeling to get out there and ignore everything for a half hour or an hour or whatever.
0: So relationship's definitely changed with the sport. As you gotten older, but as as you get older, you have a family, you have you have a, a kid to take care of, your full time job. Your your priorities have to shift, and so with that, your your needs shift, and and kind of what you need to get out of life. You know, it's it's there's a reason why everyone always says to travel when you're young and to experience as much as you can when you're young, because you get to a point where you start to want to move a little slower and things to take their time a little bit, and so you can't always be so aloof, I think, I think a lot of people, but it's somewhere in there that translation gets lost and people kind of lose both entirely and just get caught up in just work and day-to-day operations. And, um, the, uh, the need for experiences, I think is, is so crucial to, as you get older, finding that, that satisfaction with where you are with your life. The fact that yeah. you did, a, you know, you spent more time trying to get stories and, and, uh, experience different things in the world. The reason why I asked if you felt that that um running fulfilled that wanderlust is I kind of get that feeling sometimes, definitely from the traveling um, you so obviously you've run boston uh, what are yeah. there what are their, like uh marathons have you traveled for?
1: Well, um
0: <laughs> long
1: again, back in the days where I was a little bit more serious of a runner, I had the goal to do the fifty states challenge of running a marathon in every state right on. So I started to check off some of the states nearby, so I went down to Delaware and I did uh, the Rehoboth Beach Marathon down there. Uh, Philly I did six times, so that took care of PA. I did um, Atlantic City, New Jersey, and I just randomly went up to Maine for a weekend and ran a marathon up there. My sister lives in Minnesota, so I went out there and did the Twin Cities Marathon, and then I went back and did Grandma's Marathon a few years later. I think that's I think that's it. So well, I ended up with a very small list, um, and I did so. I did fourteen marathons total, and I just, especially being a father, I didn't want to be spending three hours on a Sunday mm-hmm. out running when I could be spending that time with my son. And so I, I kind of, I wouldn't say I'm retired from marathons, but I'm definitely retired from competitive marathons. I don't think I'm going to go for a PR anymore because I was just killing myself trying to shave off um, increasingly smaller amounts of time from my PR. Uh, so I had this massive 42-minute jump from when I was younger. I was like four-and-a-half-hour marathon. And I was like 412, and I jumped down to 330. And then I jumped down to 309, and then 305, and then 303, and then 301. And you know that increment is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So I was just busting my busting my ass to uh to 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 do that and it just it takes time and especially the older you get the more time it takes and i was i didn't want to sacrifice that time with my son uh so long story short i'm i'm semi retired from marathons i would love to do another one someday but i probably wouldn't put in the same amount of effort and time to train for it i would probably just do the bare minimum of training to survive and get through it um, and then, like I said, someday when my son is much older, I would love to run a marathon with him and possibly the Boston Marathon. Um, yeah, so, so long story short, I stopped running uh, marathons so much, so I, I kind of stopped traveling for those races. Uh, yeah, like I'm happy to, to travel still, uh, but not running related travel. And I still run when I travel. Um, so, for example, last summer, my son and I flew to Minnesota, where my sister lives. She has four kids, and we all rented a gigantic SUV, and we drove out to Montana together, and we spent a week at a camp in the remote wilderness of western Montana. So I went running every day while I was out there, except I had to run with bear spray, <laughs> uh, because there were tons of bears in the mountains. Uh, so that was a first for me. I never saw a bear, but uh, a lot of people in the camp with us, they there were a lot of bear sightings. Hmm. But I never saw one, but I definitely had that bear mace with me on every run. Um, So yeah, so not so much traveling to run, but I I run when I travel. And that's one of my favorite things about traveling is, number one is sampling the local beer. Uh, Number two is getting to run and see where I am on foot. And especially nature, if I'm out at a national park, um, exploring that national park on foot, or if I'm in a city where I've never been before, just getting the lay of the land and exploring the neighborhood on foot um, is the best way to learn a new place really quickly.
0: Hell yeah. I, uh, I, I love that too, actually. Um, before I, I did this, um, right after high school, I, I was I played music. I was a musician, so I did a, a little bit of touring, You know, mostly regional, East Coast. Um, I also started running um, during that time period. So I was on the road a lot. Um, and you know, when we would go to another town, one of the first things I would do was run. I would get out because it was just a great way to tour. You know, I would scope out where there was to eat, what there was to do. And, um, and I really enjoyed that because you got to experience a city, uh, in a totally different way. And, um, and it was, that was, that was probably my favorite. You know, that was something I kind of made it a goal after all. I was like, every, every new town I get to, I'm just going to do some running, And get out there and it was just it was that was my way of of traveling of getting around so it um that's my favorite thing too about traveling i think actually i still kind of have that instinct even even though most of the time when i travel now and go to other states or other towns it's usually running related right now i'm still just racing that much but um i don't know i guess whenever the last time was i took a non-running related vacation i definitely like remember thinking like oh man okay i'm gonna run over that to the east today and then tomorrow run to the west and I'll check out downtown whatever it's um it's a really good way to get around that must
1: have been tough balancing a musician's lifestyle
0: and a running lifestyle yeah no I mean it was um I was the only one because it was just yeah it didn't make it didn't make any sense at all but it was it was running is actually a good way to to kill a hangover for a lot of people and I uh (laughs) and I definitely um I put that to the test and it works it is a good good way to kill a hangover you know, I, 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 again, tying back to the slowing down part, you know, without putting a negative connotation on that, slowing down isn't a bad thing when you get to a certain point in your life where you want to slow down. And so, you know, it, the idea of bringing your family along for a, to, to, to travel for a race, you know, that's it's nice. But then you got to, you know, as a father, guy with, with a young kid, you know, you got to think, oh, man, you know, if I run this marathon and it rains, like, I'm still going. I'm still going out there. And, you know, the... It's hard to explain to the kid, yeah, but you know, I still want you out there cheering for me on your vacation, <laughs> early in the morning on a Sunday, and it's raining or it's cold. You know, that's that's not nearly as fun for everybody if everyone can't enjoy the experience in the right. same kind of splendor. So, wanting yeah. to, sh- I can understand wanting to shift away and and you know, put more into the family. You know, you 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 got what you wanted out of it.
1: Yeah, I mean that and that's kind of where I, I I reached the point where I was satisfied with my PRs. It was a, kind of it was bittersweet. Um, the three hundred one marathon, man, I was I was going for that sub three, and mm-hmm. I just I trained so hard. Uh, it was still a PR, the three hundred one, but man, I just missed that sub three. So that was a that was a that was a tough day. Like a lot of emotions that day. Like, hey, I ran a PR, it's the fastest marathon I've ever done, but it didn't quite hit that sub three. Um, but I I still I, I I hit a place where I was satisfied. I was I was okay to let my PRs lie. And, yeah, like you said, and move on and, and just concentrate on other things. And, and right now that's, that's teaching, that's uh, my son, um, definitely. And then, uh, like I said, some of the, the writing projects that I'm working on, the book that I'm working on that hopefully someday <laughs> will become an actual book. Um, and, yeah, like maybe I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll dust off the blog and, and get back into that. And kind of tying back into the whole experiences versus material possessions I've always been very anti-materialism, and maybe that's one reason I didn't make it as a blogger. Um, I, I, I remember getting very frustrated with the whole blogging world and the social media world of uh, running influencers because so much of it was dependent on dependent on shilling the, the latest gadgets for running, and I wasn't really into that. Um, because I am, I'm very frugal, I'm very anti-materialism, and, and for me, running is so simple. You just need a decent pair of shoes and just get out there and run. So I wasn't really willing to shill for all these companies that had all these random little products that they wanted me to promote on the blog. Um, so uh, so I never became like a massively popular running blogger. Um, and for a while, I might have been a little bitter about that, but I'm okay with that. I'm you know happy to let that lie. Um, I forget where I was going with that. <laughs> well, it's it's
0: it's funny you say that because um, I I have strong feelings on that too. And um, actually, I just um, the, one of the episodes I'm also putting out. Um, I talked with a guy a little bit about uh, that same term, the influencers, and yep. just the the kind of bad taste in my mouth that it's leaving. Watching mm-hmm. that kind of grow so much, social media is so awesome in the way that it really has connected. Uh, people and built up a lot of these cultures, specifically running cultures, has become a lot more, um, I am to say mainstream, because I wouldn't say it's mainstream yet, but it definitely is a lot more um, relatable, and it, it, people can attach to it a lot quicker. It's a great way to get stories out now, and it's really kind of building up the sport as a whole. is more than just an activity, but it's really kind of a whole lifestyle thing. But the downside of that is the people who want to get famous or... Um, or just you know gain recognition, or you know even just build a whole career around it, like I am. Um, the real easy thing is to become this influencer and to you know do a couple of sponsored posts for some company as a way to to get more likes and followers and and appear to be um, famous. And it does it, it, it's a natural thing where that kind of, you sacrifice the artistic pursuit and something. It's selling out, you know. In all in all, in all in all mediums of art, whether it's writing, music, painting, whatever, there's always. You, it's a, There's always a way to sell out, and it's real easy to do when you get to a certain point, but you're sacrificing something in the meantime.
1: Yeah, yeah and I was probably that guy, like, oh, I'm not going to sell out, I'm going to maintain the integrity of my writing, and blah, blah, blah. I think I only ever did one sponsored post, and it was for Spartan Race, and that at least made sense, because it was for a race, not for some silly product like um, i think a a company they they wanted me to promote those little balls that you stick in your shoes to to prevent the smell.
0: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> random stuff like that like i don't really care about.
0: Right. Yeah, it's nice to get free stuff, but if um you you, you know, you kind of go down that rabbit hole yeah, and you you yeah. become that person and to uh to a lot of um artists more um I don't know what the word I'm looking at is kind of um uh pure purists a lot of purists like that's um that's that's frowned upon so you know you're you're either on that side of the fence or you're not and um it's really frustrating to see happen because I think we kind of dilute we dilute the sport and what it means to a lot of people yeah. by doing that
1: yeah, and the other, and the other thing that was difficult is that blogging was very popular in the late 2000s early 2010s and um it started to migrate over to Instagram and as a writer I wanted to write longer form stories and posts um and and it just it just became about the the one picture and the quick caption uh, maybe a paragraph um, but that was it just almost like micro blogging and i was more interested in in the longer form writing as an art writing as a skill and uh, i I feel like when it got away from blogging and more into the instagram and the the shorter posts it kind of got away from that
0: sure do you um do you follow any um runners that are writers or any anybody in that in that world? Uh...
1: No, maybe uh, maybe I should. I know I. What's his name? the The guy from NPR. Peter Seagal.
0: Peter Seagal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I follow him on Twitter. I don't know. I'm not really, I'm not on Instagram. Hmm. Um. But yeah, I I really admire him. I think he's got a lot of talent um, as a writer and a runner. Uh, I have his book, and I've read a lot of the stuff that he used to write for Runner's World. Um, who's the other one? Christopher McDougal.
0: Chris McDougal, yeah. He's probably he's like the biggest, yeah. probably most well known writer as far as running goes.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so a couple of the big ones I guess I follow.
0: Yeah, there's definitely um I'll um I'll email you some names and some some links. There's definitely uh but um there's definitely some growth in that community for sure where um people are using Instagram as a way to kind of funnel people to their long form writing and essays and then there's there are people that use Instagram and they write these really long posts and as a reader even I don't want to read those you know it's something about having to hit that button to read more because the caption will only give you a brief preview and like you have to read more and like even I don't always want to go through and read all that Instagram is just kind of short quick here's a picture
1: especially if you're on your phone
0: yeah yeah absolutely so I don't want to um, read
1: something that long on my phone
0: yeah, exactly. So there are there are a few people out there that have really kind of um, gained some traction with that. It's, it's really interesting to watch happen. I really enjoy that that form. Some really profound things get said in there. Um, so with all this said, man, do you, I mean, any any running goals you have in mind after this whole Corona thing's over? Do you, do you, plan, <laughs> do you, do you plan on doing any racing? Was that something that was on your, your calendar already? No.
1: I hadn't actually signed up for any spring races, so I was trying to make a comeback. And there's a 25K um, next month that I had my eye on. It's called the Dirty German.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think they're the only ones left that haven't, like, canceled. Broad Street just announced uh, the other day that they were can they're going to October. Yeah, but Dirty German, I think, is the one that's holding out. They were pretty vocal about that, too. So I think that would be badass if they if they did it, as long as they you know, did it in a safe way, because I, I, yeah. I do think we kind of got to keep our distance a little bit. But
1: Yeah, so I never signed up for that one. Um, I'm not holding my breath though, that it's going to happen. Right. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, it's perfect for me being a high school German teacher. Uh, but uh, other than that, running goals, um, I don't know if you saw it, I do a running streak. I've been streaking, speaking of the whole <laughs> naked race. Um, so I do a running streak, and I've been doing it for six and a half years and so just trying to maintain that streak get out there Um, i've been watching the news a lot i'm really afraid that we're going to be banned to our houses like full-on lockdown and i'm going to be doing laps around my house oh god get in a mile Uh, but for now i'm still able to get out there and, and maintain the streak
0: right on and then um Aside from the the young adult book, uh, do you have any, any running related writing that you've touched into? Do you, do you still get inspiration when you run? Like you say, you don't run without any music, so you're doing a lot of thinking. Um, (laughs) does like when you were running in, uh, in Montana, did you get any inspiration out of a setting like that?
1: Not, not so much writing inspiration, just, um, just thinking about things, Mm -hmm. um, Working through stuff in my head, but yeah not nothing really terribly um great that I could add to my writing i and I guess because I would get inspiration all the time when I was doing my blog because the blog was was about was about running, so I would go run and i would I would compose blog posts in my head and I would almost have it fully formed by the time I got back. but it doesn't really happen with other writing projects because they're they're not really about writing, so for me that the two don't really connect in my head like that
0: well i mean i'm I'm glad you have what you have, and um i I'm definitely a fan and, and um I'll be keeping an eye out so this is this is fun yeah, well, great. I appreciate it You know anyone that knows me very well knows I'm someone that's very comfortable in my own skin. Uh, My favorite thing about running in the warm weather is definitely the fact that I can run with as little clothes on as possible, but I think even I would um, be a little hesitant about doing an all-nude 5K race. Uh, Just for reference, if anybody's curious, the race does still happen. It's called the Wiggle, Jiggle, and Giggle 5K. It's a clothing optional run held at the Sunny Rest Resort in Palmerton, Pennsylvania, and this year it's happening on June 27th. so if you're feeling adventurous, and you're looking to uh, take something off your bucket list of running, uh, you can give that a shot. You'll see in the show notes a link to some more of Scott's writing as well as his uh, Twitter account. And um, like I, like he mentioned, he's putting out a he's working on putting out a young adult novel. So remember the name Scott Partenheimer. Maybe you'll see that out sometime. Thanks for listening, guys.